Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Double Play Podcast. In today's episode, Ryan and I are going to talk about the biggest storylines across the MLB throughout the first half, and then at the end of the episode, we're going to round it out by giving out our awards for the American League and the National League. That means MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and more, but without further ado, let's get into it. first half of the season is coming to a close in Major League Baseball, and we're approaching the All-Star break, and that means it's time to look back at what has happened so far this season, and kind of just recap and just see how we have, got, how we have gotten here, and how it's going to affect the future a little bit, but let's get into it. Straight off the bat, the biggest storyline this season has been the Yankees' dominance so far. They are led by Judge and pitching staff on pace to 112 wins this year, which would be most in Major League Baseball in in a while. I don't know the last time a team has gone above 110, but, I mean, you talk about Judge. He has 31 bombs, a 163 WRC+. 31 bombs before the All-Star break is ridiculous. He's on pace for close to 60 home runs, which and but it's really been that pitching that's kind of stood out this year as compared to years past, and you want to talk about their pitching a little bit, what they've done? Yeah, so all of these stats are relative to Sunday when we're recording this, so we're missing one day in the first half, but that's just because Ryan's leaving to go to the All-Star break tomorrow, so we got to get it out before then, but yeah, you're right, the pitching has been fantastic on top of Aaron Judge and those other hitters. The third best starting pitching ERA in the entire MLB, the second best reliever ERA, that combines, I believe, for the best team ERA as well. And for the longest time, they were number one and number one in starting pitching and relief pitching. It's taken a slight step back, but they're still absolutely crushing it. And then on defense, they've been solid as well, fourth and outs above average. So they've been absolutely fantastic. I mean, you can't talk about the first half without talking about how good the Yankees have been. They've been ridiculous and kind of proven me wrong, at least. They've they've just been um, un- amazingly good, like uh, unexpectedly. And uh, we, we all thought they'd be like playoff team. But, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, they're getting production from so many guys up and down the order while not even getting production from some guys as well. I mean, Joey Gallo has been horrendous so far this year for them. and But they're, they're still putting pieces together. And it's, it's just Nestor Cortez has been amazing. Matt Carpenter's been a big pickup, just only hits home runs for them, it seems like. But it's really, that hitting has just been great. They're first in Team WRC+, so the best hitting team in baseball this year. And they're second in hitters' war, one behind the Dodgers. So, I mean, they're close to 1-1 one one in each. I mean, they've just been smashing the ball, and it's it's hard to slow them down. Well, and it's been everyone up and down that lineup, too. We mentioned Judge, but Stanton's having an all-star starter caliber season. They've also got, I mean, Glaber Torres is returning to form. Josh Donaldson had that one stretch where he was really hot. Anthony Rizzo had that one month where he was really hot. Uh, who else? Jose Trevino is an all-star for them. They're pretty much getting uh, production from up and down that lineup. Everyone outside of Joey Gallo was having, you know, a career year or a con- or contributing in a multitude of ways. So the Yankees are getting help from everybody up and down that order right now, and they've run the AL East. And the other storyline is the AL East. It's a hard division to run because it's so good. It's been the best division in baseball this year by a pretty wide margin. Every single team is 500 or better. And I think when I say that, your mind goes to, wait, even the Baltimore Orioles? And the answer is yes. The Baltimore Orioles are also above 500. All of these teams vying for wildcard spots. And for the majority of the year, 
the AL East had a had possession of all three wildcard spots on top of the Yankees being the division winner. Right now, the Mariners have snuck in there, but it's still an incredibly close race, and I wouldn't be surprised, I think, as we thought coming into the season, if they did have all three wildcard teams. But now the Orioles are in that mix. They've been the best division, and the Yankees are still running it. Yeah, that's one thing that's even more impressive about the Yankees. They're 63-28 and 28 in the toughest division in baseball. I mean, the AL East has been tremendous. Like you said, all the other four teams other than the Yankees who have a playoff spot locked, it looks like, which is ridiculous to say at this point in the season. The other four teams are fighting for one, and we might see three of the four make it just because only three of them can make it. And it's just, I mean, it's a very, it's an insane division, and it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, maybe maybe the race for the division won't be like it's crazy like some other divisions. But the race for the wild card is going to be very fun, and it's going to revolve around the AL East. Yeah, if you want to know more about the Orioles, you can go back and watch our episode from last week where we did a little standings update. Talked a lot about the Orioles because they came on this super hot sh- surge to go above 500. They a couple or in June they had their first winning month they've had since 2017. But we broke down the Orioles, the Mariners, other teams that have been playing really well, and other teams that have been disappointing in last week's episode that I'll link up here as well. You mentioned that the AL East probably will not have an exciting race for the top of the division. One division we expected to be pretty sealed down before the season was the AL Central, and we were pretty confident that the White Sox had that division on lock. The second story, or the third storyline, they've been like horribly disappointing this year. They're around or under 500, depending on when you're watching this episode. They're a couple games back in the division. They've been played with injuries, but they also just have not been playing very well. Um, that's one d- major disappointment for us because I think we both had them as the one seed in the American League. The White Sox, I mean, I still have confidence in them because, I mean, we, you lo- we have all these stats written down there. They're bottom half in WRC plus and hitters war, bottom half in starting pitching and relief pitching ERA, 24th in outs above average on the defensive end, and yet they're still five one game below 500 right now and three games back. So they have not put together any piece of this, uh, of this team. Hitting's been bad. Pitching's been bad. Defense's been bad. And yet they're only three games back. So I still have confidence in them. Yeah, they've been very disappointing. I picked them to win a hundred games this season, but I mean, you got to think one of those will pick it up. And if when they do, I mean, it seems like right now you're still in ball games. You're still in the division race. If if your hitting comes along, or and the pitching and defense is bad, or the defense or the pitching starts to perform, I mean, you feel like though it's right here for the White Sox to take if they could just perform in the second half. Yeah, their big competition has been the Twins. The Twins have led the division pretty much the whole way. The Guardians had that little stretch where they surged and took the lead. But for the most part, it's been the Minnesota Twins on the backs of Byron Byron Buxton. Pitching that's been better than we expected it to be. Um, they've get, Getting Carlos Correa back healthy, healthy Luis Arise, who we'll talk about in one of the storylines later, has been great. Um, so the Twins have been leading that division for the most part, but you're right. The White Sox are still right in it, despite being arguably one of the most disappointing teams in all of Major League Baseball this year. They look really looked like coming into the year they were built to have the AL Central locked up, but things have gotten in the way, and it's been a disappointing first half, but they still have a lot of individual star talent. They just got to put it together. We'll see if Tony La Russa can do that. Yeah, uh, 
Tony Russo, that's been another question mark. He's made some surprising decisions, I'll say, uh, for the White Sox. And I mean, it's kind of kind of a shocker that he still has his job uh, almost. And I mean, that that same fate hasn't hasn't been on anyone on everyone we've had three managers fired already this season joe girardi the phillies uh joe madden the angels and charlie montoya the blue jays which was just a few days ago probably about a week ago now but i mean getting into it we've kind of seen different different storylines for these teams that had fired their manager getting into the phillies i mean they were 22 and 29 when girardi was fired so rightfully so this was a team that expected whether they were realistic expectations or not to compete for the division and they, they were below 500 when he was fired kind of by a considerable margin seven games and now they're above 500 and they're close to a wild card spot even though they've lost harper and a few others plagued with injury but i mean this is a team that kind of turned it around after he was fired and that's what they were hoping for kind of just a change of scenery i guess on the at the manager position to change the leadership i should say and it's got it's it's helped them. They they were in a playoff spot for a little bit. Now I think they sit uh, a game or two back, half a game. So I mean, this is a team that's if they're active at the deadline, or if they're correctly active at the deadline, I should say, add the right pieces, they, they can make a playoff run. Yeah, and so that's one tale where firing a manager has gone well. The other side is Joe Madden getting fired from the Angels. The Angels had that huge hot start that got us questioning whether they could be the main team to watch in the AL West, whether they could be the division winner come season's end. But then it all went downhill. They ended up losing 12 straight games, and Madden gets fired after that 12th loss. That dropped them to 27-29 and 29 after being 27-17. and 17. It, was a, it was a really tough stretch to watch for the Angels, but since then, it's continued to go downhill. They're the fourth worst team in the American League. They're around 10 games out of a wildcard spot. And they just they look like there's no signs of life. They've had the worst record since uh, I think it was June, like early June. I think they have the worst record in the in the MLB, despite Shohei Otani going for an 8.33 OPS, 19 homers, and then a 2.38 ERA and 12.7 Ks per nine. And then Mike Trout pl- playing as well, pretty much as he ever has, a 9.67 OPS, 24 homers. They've got two of the best players in baseball. You could argue the two best players in the American League if you wanted to, and I wouldn't be upset. And yet they're one of the worst teams in baseball. And in like the second half of the first half, they've been the worst team, I think, by any stretch of what you would look at. Yeah, it's been ugly for the Angels, and it's just nothing has been there for them. But the final manager who got fired was Charlie Montoyo of the Blue Jays, and jury's still out on that one. Are the Blue Jays going to fall into that? Phillies where they turn it around or the Angels where they just dive even deeper and uh, I mean the Jays have I mean you could say they disappointed we expected this team to be a top or close to the top of the of the AL East and but I mean they were still on the playoff spot when he was fired and I think they might or do they have a playoff spot now it's uh yes yes they do they're, they're the third wildcard team right now. And so, I mean, they're, they're still a playoff team. It'll be interesting to see the second half of the season what the Blue Jays do in terms of their pr- production on the field without without their, their manager for the last couple seasons now. So the jury's still out on them. We'll see if they can still be a playoff team like we expected at the beginning of the year or if, you know, they lo- lose the leadership and kind of dive out of the picture. Well, yeah, I think 
to make an analogy here, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. said last year was the trailer, this year is the movie. Now the Blue Jays have decided to change directors for the movie, and it's kind of going to be on the actors to hold up the load a little bit. It's going to be on Vlad, Bo Bichette. Both of those guys had, while they've still been good, disappointing first halves for their levels. Kevin Gosman's pitched well, but has struggled a little bit more as of late. Jose Barrios, among qualified pitchers in the American League, has the single worst ERA above five. Um, you know, uh, you say Kikuchi hasn't been fantastic. Alec Manoa has been great, but there's a lot of guys that need to pick up the slack a little bit, especially if the Blue Jays, first of all, just want to compete in general. But in order to go after the Yankees and the Astros, some of the best teams in the American League, the the hitters are really going to have to pick it up. And some of those guys that they brought in, like Jose Barrios, is going to have to pick it up as well. And they're going to have to do it without their manager. So it'll be interesting to see. Your prediction, are they ending up on the Angels' side of the scale where they are worse after firing their manager, or are they going to be more Phillies? I think they're going to be in a class of their own. I think they're kind of going to just stay afloat. They're not going to improve greatly. They're not going to decline drastically. I think they're just going to be able to stay afloat, and I I think they will still be a wildcard team at the end of the year. Well, let's get into the next storyline, which is pretty much the entire National League. We've gone this whole episode uh, so far pretty much to talk about the AL, because that's where a lot of the big storylines are. The National League has less storylines, but they're going to be great down the stretch. The Mets have led the NL East pretty much the entire way. Atlanta, though, is healthy and hot on their tails. They've got Austin Riley playing at a near MVP level. Ronald Acuna's back. They've got Matt Olson still, all that pitching so the, the Braves are going to make a run for the NL East in the second half, and I think it's going to be a rough-and-tumble matchup until we end up at the end of the year and there's going to be one name at the top. That's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. I mean, you mentioned the Braves are healthy back. They're, I expect them to push them, and it's going to be a fun race to watch. And, yeah, yeah, that's going to be an exciting one. Another exciting division race is going to be the Brewers and the Cardinals, who kind of battle have battled out thus far they're kind of they're still within a few games but they've each kind of had the division lead at some point so i mean it's it's a it's a good good side to see and we're gonna see some good division races yeah and then the final one we've documented this a lot uh over time because we follow the giants and the dodgers for the most part but the dodgers have led the nl west most of the way, and they lead right now, but each of those top three teams, being the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres, have at some point looked like the best team in the division, and then at some point had a big struggle. The Dodgers struggled to open up, was it July? I think it ended up getting swept by both the Pirates and the Giants in the span of just about a week. Then also the Padres and Giants have been struggling more as of late, but both teams looking to turn it around a little bit. So I think that division race, though the Dodgers may have it more on lock than last year, is still going to be a good one, and you could end up with three NL West teams in the playoffs still. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that last part is definitely true in terms, but I, I, I still expect the Dodgers to win this division comfortably, and that's not not really it, it might be biased but I, I just what I've seen it's just I, I it, the Dodgers have been great and it's like you said it could still see three playoff teams but I, I think the Dodgers have this division let's get into the next part and we can kind of go one by one here or go all the way down the list and then focus on a couple names but there are a lot of unexpected players that are carrying the load for their teams or just having seasons that we wouldn't expect I'll go through the first half of this list that we've got, but Luis Arise, who we mentioned earlier, he's an all-star, leads the league in batting average, and is one of the top names in OBP as well for the Twins. 
Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt having a career year, been arguably the best player in the National League. He's been a big reason why the Cardinals have been able to stay on pace with the Brewers. Kershaw has been, he looks like vintage Kershaw. I would even go as far to say that he almost had his second perfect game of the year. He's come close twice, including in his first start back from injury. He's been fantastic. And then two lefties out in the American League are both pitching at all-star caliber years, and you wouldn't have expected it coming into the year. It's Martin Perez, who after 11 seasons is an all-star starting pitcher for the Texas Rangers, and then Nestor Cortez, who had a year a couple years ago where he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball, and he's been a fan favorite this year for the Yankees. He also made the all-star team. Yeah, there's a lot of unexpected ones on here. I mean, Kershaw, we've seen it, and Goldschmidt, we've seen it, but Goldschmidt's still having a career year. But those other names, Luis Arise, Martin, Martin Perez, and Nestor Cortez. I mean, Martin Perez has been in the big leagues for 11 years now, and he's just kind of been an average pitcher. I was looking at his 162-game pace for his career, or like a, like a full season, and it's 11-11 and 11 with like a four-something ERA. So he's been like an average to below average pitcher his entire career, and all of a sudden, he's an all-star, and he's put together... Ridiculous year. Nestor Cortez, I mean, for the first few months of the year, it, he looked untouchable. So, I mean, these guys have just been exciting to watch, and it's unexpectedly so, and it's fun to watch. And some other guys who are kind of got kind of unexpected a little bit is Tony Gonsolin's breakout year. Still, I think he's back up to it above a two ERA, had a bad start as last start. But Sandy Alcantara, just he's a workhorse he will go out there give you eight plus innings every single time Shane McClanahan's been amazing probably the leading Cy Young candidate in the AL we'll, we'll get to our Cy Young picks later but I mean Dansby Swanson earning his contract in a contract year he's been amazing this year arguably could have started that at shortstop it was close between him and Trey Turner but Dansby's been terrific and kind of without not really players kind of getting a little different here there was a slow start for the Mariners and Red Sox, and I mean the the just the whole team has just resurrected them, and now they both sit in playoff position, and those are just two teams that we kind of kind of left for dead at the beginning of the year. We we had one video at the Red Sox is like, if this if these struggles continue, should they be sellers? And now they're looking to be big buyers, looking to make a deep playoff run. So I mean, and and then the Mariners are well, they're looking like they could end end the playoff drought. So we've had a lot of kind of unexpected things happen in this first half. But it's been fun to watch, and it's it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch. The Dodgers needed a starting pitcher to step up. Of course, Julio Arias and Walker Buehler struggle a little bit through the first half. Kershaw was bouncing around with injury. They've had uh, Andrew Heaney go down. All of that. Dustin May is still down. They needed a pitcher to step up. And Tony Gonsolin has done just that. You argued just about a week ago, maybe he could be the starter for the National League in the Cy Young. And without... Sandy Alcantara being as good as he has been, I think you could definitely make that argument. He's been fantastic. And then Dansby Swanson, I think a player that pretty much the entire major leagues just gave up on, found his power. He's been absolutely destroying baseballs this season, really playing up to that number one pick potential that a lot of people saw as he came into the majors. Yeah, these guys have just been really fun to watch. And Dansby, kind of an unexpected one. He's a guy that swing and misses a lot, and it's just kind of frustrating for Braves fans to see. But now he's sitting towards the top of the order, a big key for them in, in terms of potentially being able to push the Mets for the division and defend their crown, if you will. And, I mean, these guys, they've just been so fun to watch. Sandy Alcantara has been amazing. You can't, 
you can't stress that enough. And I think he he should be the all star starter. I argued Tony Gonsolin that was a few weeks back now, but Sandy has just been rid- ridiculous, and he he just des- he deserves it. And I mean, all these guys have just been great. All right, for the second section, we wanted to go through our awards so far because obviously we gave those out preseason as who we predicted would win the awards. We've been giving them out each month, like who we thought was the best player in each month. But I think it's time to go through who we thought should win each award if it was all decided based on the first half. Ryan, you want to start us off with the American League MVP? It's got to be Shohei Otani again. I mean, the hitting hasn't been what it was last year, but the pitching has been miles better than it was last year. And I'll get into the stats. He's still hitting 255, 347 on base, slugging 46 with 19 homers and a 132 WRC plus. But his pitching is a 2.38 ERA, 87 innings, and a 12.72 Ks per nine. And I think what's crazy about Shohei is that last season he kind of won the MVP off of his amazing hitting, but it was like, oh, he could pitch too. But this season it seems like he's an amazing pitcher who can hit to, which is kind of scary thinking about the future. Like maybe what, what's he going to do next season? Put together 50 bombs and a sub three ERA. I mean, we, we see he's capable of doing both right now. I mean, putting together both in the same season is a different story, but he's capable of doing both. And I mean, it's it's ridiculous to say we, we have to appreciate it while it's here. Cause like I said, we don't know how long this is, how long he can do this for. But, I mean, this season he's been an amazing pitcher who's also been a solid hitter. Yeah, we just saw Juan Soto get offered $440 million for a contract. Like Shohei being able to do both hitting and pitching at an elite level, I don't know what he's going to get, but it's going to be an exorbitant amount of money that, I mean, it would be crazy to think about. And the Angels are going to have to cough up some money or he's going to go elsewhere. For me, it was very, very hard to pick between Shohei and then I think a lot of people would expect me to say Aaron Judge. But Rafael Devers, both guys have a 4.6 war. I think Devers may have been the better player this half. Just on like one side, his, his hitting is absolutely amazing. WRC plus above 170, an OPS that's a one dot and a bigger number. But Shohei has been the most valuable player. He's been the most exciting player again. He's the most fun player to watch. And he's been doing things that we've never seen yet again this year. I think it's just impossible to deny him MVP as long as he's not playing poorly on either side of the ball and where he's continued to be one of the best on one of the sides last year is one of the best hitters this year like you mentioned he's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball I think you have to give it to him people would say judge but before I talk about Shohei I want to give some shout out to I think I would have it go Shohei Devers and then Jordan Alvarez and then Aaron Judge and I think people will get upset with that but I mean the rest of those guys are having having fantastic seasons. Jordan Alvarez is still close to a 200 WRC+. plus. He's missed a couple of at-bats lately, but he's been fantastic as well. For Shohei, on top of what you said for his regular stats, here are some more just facts I found around from digging around on Twitter for like five minutes. The last 40-ish innings on the mound for him, uh, two earned runs, that's it, and 58 strikeouts. He's the only pitcher this year to get a win in six straight starts, despite the Angels literally, like we mentioned, being the worst team across that stretch in all of baseball. In the last 50 years as a player, Shohei has the highest slugging percentage with runners in scoring position at 625 when he's hitting, and the lowest slugging percentage allowed when he's on the mound 
with runners in scoring position at 201. Like the, the disparity on that and the ability to have both of those in one player is ridiculous. Also, the only Angels player in history other than Nolan Ryan with 10 plus Ks and a forced and four straight starts. Like you mentioned, Shohei this year is like a pitcher who can also hit. Nolan Ryan had an OPS for his career in the 200s. Shohei's got one this year near 850. With, with Shohei, I said at the beginning of the year, because I don't think I had him to win MVP again, and I said, if he's going to win MVP he's gonna, again, it's got to be with something new. I think if he went out here and he's tearing the ball and still a decent pitcher, I don't think he'd be here. But it's the fact that he's now doing it on the pitching side, which which we haven't really seen as much uh, of, at least the dominance that we're seeing now. So, I mean, he's been great, and that's kind of why he earned it for me. Because I, I, I personally, I, I want to see someone new win it every year. But, I mean, Shohei, he, he's earned it with, I mean, you can kind of argue, too, Sho, this has been a different Shohei this year than what we saw last year. So, I mean, it's like the, a, di- a different player in the same player. So, I mean, he's been ridiculous. And I think we both have the same pick for the National League. You, you want to introduce him? Yeah, before, I, before we get to Paul Goldschmidt, who I think is the NL MVP so far, I mean, how about a colossally bad take from Stephen A. Smith about this time last year saying Shohei can't be the face of baseball? Literally, I went. I was not going to go to a Yankees-Angels game when I was in New York because one of the games got rained out the day before, and we had a food tour scheduled the next day. Then they, the Angels announced that they're moving up Shohei to start and hit leadoff, and my family and I leave the middle of our food tour just to go see him pitch in New York, in Yankee Stadium. Of course, it ended up being, like, one of his only bad starts of the year, which kind of sucks, but, like, he he is the face of baseball, and I think it's so good for baseball. Everyone loves what he's doing. It's, it's, you have to watch what he does, and he makes it much must-see TV every single time. He's been absolutely amazing so far this season. He's a good face of baseball, so Stephen A. Smith can um, shut up. But uh, Paul Goldschmidt, like we mentioned, easy answer so far. But the NL is wide open. No one has really surged all half long. But if anyone has been deserving, it's been Paul Goldschmidt. He had that huge start. Cooled off a little bit, but he's still, I think, season long so far, the MVP. Yeah, the stats are he's still hitting 329 on the season. 414 and a 584 WRC or slugging with a 182 WRC plus, which is the next closest is Freddie Freeman, who he leads by 26 points. And he's got a 4.3 war. I mean, it's clear he's been the best hitter in the National League. And, I mean, it's clear he's the MVP for me. Yeah, uh, if I had to give a season-long prediction, and I think this is going to surprise some people, I'm still going to take Juan Soto to win it. And I really, I'm, I'm not that I'm like super confident about it, but he still has an OPS over 900, despite people thinking that he has not been playing very well this year. Last year, he had that amazing second half. He credited the home run derby to helping fix his swing for that second half. He's participating again this year. There's a chance that he gets traded to a contending team too. Give me Juan Soto season long for the MVP. I, I, I'm staying away from Juan Soto. I don't think he'll be, he'll be there at the end of the year. I, th- I still think it's wide open. I, w- I would be surprised if Goldschmidt continues to put up these numbers in the second half. I think he'll still finish as a career year. But if he's still hitting 330 come the end of the year, I'd be I'd be surprised. But I, I, I don't, I'm not going to give a season-long prediction right now on the spot, but I think it's going to be a fun race, and I th- still think it's open. 
And I, I think both these races are still open. Yeah, let's get to the Cy Young Award starting in the American League. I want to give a shout-out to Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, Alec Manoa, and then even Shohei, who we just mentioned. But it has to be Shane McClanahan for the Rays. The dude has an ERA in the ones and a caper nine near 12. He's been absolutely electric, vaulted himself up to be the ace for the for these Tampa Bay Rays. I think he should be the all-star game starter. He's the easy Cy Young pick for me in the first half. Yeah, you said he's been great out in Tampa. And another pitcher who's been great in Florida, just a l- little bit east, is Sandy Alcantara, who we've mentioned a little bit. I mean, his ERA is 1.76 with almost 140 innings. I mean, that's more, I think, I, I don't know the exact number, but it's like 20 to 30 innings more than the next the, the closest guy. And, I mean, it's like, like I mentioned earlier, he's putting up eight innings a start, it seems like. Eight plus, and, I mean, you just, it, it's just ridiculous to see it. And, I mean, that's that's a guy who, I mean, we'll see if his arm can hold up throughout the whole year. I hope it does. But, I mean, like, for a guy that's putting up this workload in the first half of the year, we'll see if he's able to sustain it the second half. I mean, he's never pitched this much either. So it'll be interesting to see if he can hold up, but I, I sure hope he does, and he, he's earned it the first half, Cy Young. Yeah, since May 6th, he has not gone less than seven-plus innings. Across that stretch, he's had three complete games. He has more eight-plus inning starts than any team. Of course, that doesn't include the Marlins because he's on that team, but more eight-plus inning starts than any team. Like That is just absolutely absurd, and he's been churning out seven, eight, or nine innings since the beginning of May for the Miami Marlins. Um, like There's been no more valuable pitcher in baseball than Sandy Alcantara this year. Absolutely, and getting into Rookie of the Year, I'm going to start with the National League. Another pitcher who's been great is Spencer Strider for the Braves. I mean, it, this is a National League rookie class that is kind of, I, I guess, you could say disappointed, but it's really just no one has stood out so far. And it seems like the majority of the, the exciting rookies were going to be in the American League anyway. But we still had a good ones. We had Seiya Suzuki with a great start. I mean... Joey Bart was expected to be have a solid year and be up there. He hasn't been there. But Spencer Strider's kind of, I, I'm not going to say running away with this, but he's kind of taking control. He should be here. I mean, he, he's been great so far and really provided a spark for the Braves uh, in that rotation with Soroka still down, Ian Anderson still yet to live up to what he was expected to be. But, I mean, Spencer Strider's been ridiculous. And, I mean, that mustache, that windup, it's fun to watch. Well, and that velocity, he pumps in 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. He's been fantastic. We'll see if he still stays in the starting rotation once Mike Soroka comes back. Of course, you don't want to limit a talent like him, but most young pitchers are kept on an innings limit anyway, so maybe when Soroka comes back, we may see Strider moved out of the rotation. It would suck. Maybe they move on from Ian Anderson. We'll see, but they've got... It's a good problem to have when you're bringing back Mike Soroka and you have a chance to bump maybe the National League starting the National League Rookie of the Year out of your starting rotation if they've been that good. I have the same pick, by the way. Um, he's the best of that like kind of weak NL bunch that we mentioned. I think O'Neill Cruz could really push him in the second half, but Spencer Strider, for now, absolutely the NL Rookie of the Year. AL, even easier, despite having an all-time great rookie class so far this year. It's Julio Rodriguez, and there's no other answer. He's already blossomed into literally one of my favorite players in the league, 
First player in MLB history with 15 home runs, 15 plus home runs, 50 plus RBIs, and 20 plus stolen bases through his first 90 career games. He's done it here before the All Star break. He's been, he's been unreal. Yeah, he's been the X factor for the Mariners too. It seems in in this uh, wild card position they sit in, and he's an All Star. He's going to be in the home run derby as well. He's got a lot of power. He's he's one of those guys who's pretty close to a five tool player. He's fast. He's got the power. He's got he's got the the contact. He he's got a lot a lot of tools out out there in center field in Seattle, and he's just he he's really proven. He's living up to the hype, and he mentioned in, in a strong AL class. Bobby Witt's been great. Adley's been uh, Adley's been good. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. Those top of my head, but Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he he, uh, he said he's the clear cut, and I mean he's an all star. One of I don't even I don't know few rookies who are all-star if, if any others I don't know but uh yeah it, it's been great and it's been fun to watch and like you said he's he's a great player to watch and I think he's you've been high on him for his career saying he's gonna win MVP I, I could see that in the future no I might he might be my early pick for next year's MVP award he's been he's been unreal big reason why the Mariners have surged so far as well hit the hit his first career grand slam the other day and the first grand slam for the Mariners this season uh, great season for Julio Rodriguez. Hopefully, he gets through the All Star break. It doesn't mess up his swing like some people say the Home Run Derby can. But it's going to be super exciting, and I'm jealous that you get to go out and watch that Home Run Derby. It's going to be, I think, a, a really good one. We haven't talked about the full draw of people they have yet, but it's going to be an amazing Home Run Derby. Do you want to get into surprise and disappointment for the MLB so far? Yeah, my surprise for the MLB is the Yankees. I. I predict them. I have let me let me pull up my record prediction from the start of the season. What I had for the Yankees, but I know I had them as a team that was, uh, you know, kind of a, a fringe playoff team, which is, sounds crazy to say, but uh, it's it's ridiculous. They they now sit winning sixty three games. So I mean, it's it's been great for them. And it, here it is. I had the Yankees at eighty six and seventy six going to the beginning of the year and being the last playoff team in the American League and wow do I look dumb right now I mean they're on they're on pace to pass that in the next month or two but maybe by mid-August they'll have more than 86 wins already which is crazy but they've been very surprising to me and, and even when they got out to the hot start I was I was like all right yeah yeah it's cool they're playing great but I expect them to slow down come back to earth at some point and uh, I mean they, they haven't I, I I, I, as much as I don't want to say, this, I, I I still think that they they've got to sl- slow down. So I mean, 112 wins is crazy, in 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 today's baseball, especially in the division that they're in. But I mean, they've been a very much a surprise to me in the first half. Man, you keep putting yourself at odds with the Yankees and Yankees fans. Like, when are you just gonna like maybe turn it around and just say the Yankees are who they are? I remember preseason. I I just went to find the quote, because we put this up on our Instagram, and it was something that I agreed with you as well, so I'm not trying to call you out on it, because I'm just as wrong as you are on the Yankees this year. You said the Yankees, where they're at right now, are a fringe playoff team at best, especially in that tough division, and uh, I think we both look kind of stupid on that one. I turned it around, though, early. I was was, like quick to say I messed up this one. I think they're going to be better than the Mets this year. Like, they're the best team in New York. They're the best team in the American League. I'm trying to, like... Because I, I was so wrong on them coming into the year. I, I think that, I mean, they've surprised me for sure. But I was less surprised after the first 20 games. That's when I was the most surprised. And then I started to believe in them. 
I, I, I stand by that take at the beginning of the year. I, I think, I mean, it, it, it was true at the beginning of the season because this is a team that was a wild card team last year. And I'm, I've mentioned this before when we've talked about them is nothing's really changed about the roster. They've, they added Donaldson uh, and Trevino and, uh, and Rizzo for a full season. But other than that, their, their team kind of looks the same every single year or at least as of late. And so I, 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 I think it was a fair take to make at the beginning of the year because they were a wildcard team last year and they didn't get noticeably better. They've just got production from guys who haven't produced as well before. I mean, Donaldson ha- hasn't been like a key contributor. Trevino, like we said, is an, is an all-star. And, and Rizzo's been, had been streaky. But other than that, the, the, the production has come from their pitching and judge so it's it's been guys that are that have been there and are just like better than what we could have ever, ever expected so so i stand by that i defend that take as in terms of when it was spoken well i mean i agreed with you at the time so i think i'd defend it too but it's definitely something that we were wrong about because they've gotten healthy seasons from judge and stanton for the most part um, and everyone else is coming alive. Could you imagine, though, if they had actually hit on free agency like they wanted to, and we were seeing Freddie Freeman on this team or Corey Seager on this team or Carlos Correa on this team? Like, that would have just been, like, I don't know what, how much better would that have even been? Because it's how, how can you do better than a 112-win projection? It's ridiculous, and, yeah, they, they've been a very big surprise to me. I'll go the other side of the AL East. You went to the top. I'm going to go to the bottom, but it's still a surprise to me. The Orioles, they're above 500. They're less than 20 wins away from hitting my win projection on them for the season. I predicted them to win uh, 100 or more games. I don't remember the exact number, but they're 500 and they're close to the playoffs. Like I wouldn't have believed you if you said they were even close to 500, and I would definitely have not believed you if I, if you said that they were close to the playoffs well, I think, I mean, we talked about the Orioles last episode, don't want to get too far into their surge, but it's been due in large part to this, the entire roster contributing, and they're a very young roster. We mentioned Juan Soto, if if he gets traded, this would be one place I'd love to see him go, because they have the prospects, just whether they have the money for him, but either way, with, with the way they're going right now, I'm a big believer in the Orioles rebuild, and I think that, as I mentioned last episode, they should even start to speed it up, because we've seen them have success right now. Yeah, I'll admit I was wrong on this one. I just went back to my record predictions. Uh, so they currently sit at 46 and 45. I had them winning 57 games this year. So if they, so, if they win so today. If the, Orioles, if the Orioles are listening, uh, could you please not win 11 or only win 11 games the rest of the season? But I mean, wow, they they are a very big surprise to me. And the only thing that kept them from being my surprise is that, I mean, they're, they're still at the bottom of the AL East. So, I mean, y- y- the record is a, is a surprise, but, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 would, I just wanted to go a different route, but the Orioles proved me wrong even more than the Yankees did. Yeah, they've been fantastic. Let's get into disappointment. For me, it was it's hard to not say the White Sox or the Angels. We had the White Sox winning over 100 games. I had the Angels not, I don't think I had them as a playoff team, but, I had them taking a step forward. They've taken yet another step back. Like, how are you taking steps back when you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on the same team? They just continue to make the wrong moves. And Noah Syndergaard hasn't fully panned out for them this season. And outside of that, they've bootstrapped themselves with the Anthony Rendon contract. He's hurt now for the rest, out for the rest of the year. That they just can't make 
good moves. Like, when's the last time, outside of Shohei Otani, the Angels, you, you could say, wow, that's a good move that they've made, and it's actually worked out. Couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. Outside of drafting Mike Trout and signing Shohei Otani, pretty much the Angels mess up everything else. They've. It's hard to not say that they've been a disappointment this year, and then the White Sox. We mentioned it at the top of the episode. Big disappointment for us, but there's still hope. I would just say they're a disappointing first-half team. Yeah, and uh, yeah, those are those are two disappointments. And we t- we talk about a lot when we're wrong in here. I feel like we don't talk about when we're right enough. Because if you're watching this for the first time, you're probably like, these guys don't know not- oh anything. They, How did they not have whole- the Orioles going forty six or forty seven and forty five in the first half? Like, how did they not know that the Yankees were gonna set like go above one hundred and ten win pace? I, like, I I, pr- I promise. If you go down these predictions, there's a lot that are correct, but I mean, we just highlight the ones that have that have surprised us in one way or another, surprised bad or surprised good. But my disappointment for the year is kind of just the the big time breakout seasons we were expecting. And that's another another thing, admitting we were wrong about people. Uh, Lu- Luis Robert, we expect him to be an MVP candidate, and I mean, he's still hitting above 300. He missed a a chunk of games. What what does that say? Oh yeah, you had him as as your dark horse to win MVP. Yeah, I said if I was going to Vegas to lay down some money, I would throw some on Luis Robert at plus twenty five hundred for MVP. Yeah, I mean we had him as a not just a dark horse MVP, but like a legitimate contender. He could be, and I mean the White Sox were expecting him to be first in the American League, and he was going to be a big reason why. So I put an asterisk next to his name in there because he's still been good, but it's just not been like the blown away huge breakout that we were expecting he's still been good and still kind of breaking out but just not to the level we expected but one another one was tyler o'neill who we expected to kind of have a big year who's he he started this season horrendously he's been injured a little bit but it's he's just started Uh, still not looking good i don't have the stats here but it's not been good and then another one the final one i wrote down was matt olson and uh, I, 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 and Matt Olson's still been great. He's on pace to, to I, I think it's set a record in terms of doubles in a single 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 season. But this is going to the year I, I was like, because all, all the Braves fans were like upset that they lost Freddie, even though they had Matt Olson come in. And I was kind of saying, well, Braves fans like, I thought Matt Olson could be Freddie Freeman caliber or better at first, and. He hasn't been that. He's been good, but he hasn't been what I expected yet. And uh, I mean, Freddie Freeman, he's been amazing. Freddie's hitting like 320 ish and not an all star, though. But uh, that, that's a different issue. But yeah, the, these are that's what I wrote for my disappointment. Just kind of some seasons that we expected to have from some guys. And I mean, we, we mentioned earlier in the episode, we've had a lot of other breakouts from other guys. So it, we, we, there's been no shortage of breakouts in terms of like, quality and what what we want to watch and see but it just wasn't coming from the guys we expected well i think we should give ourselves some credit too we've been right on a lot of people shane mcclanahan for one i think we were both very high on coming into the year um i know for me i was very high on pablo lopez coming into the year and dylan cease i had drafted them both early on in our fantasy uh draft they've been fantastic and i think let's morph into this random thing that i want to talk about because I want to give ourselves a little bit more credit, I what do you think your best take was coming into this year? For me, I'd probably go when we were doing award predictions early on in the year, I was like, I really believe in this one, and it's my dark horse 
Cy Young pick, it's going to be one Marlin. And I think Sandy Alcantara was the guy I was most expecting to be at that helm, but Pablo Lopez led early on, and I think that was probably my best take coming into the year. I probably have a take better than this, but the one that comes to mind was for the Giants, actually, because I, I was predicting whatever... I could pull up what I have their record prediction as, but whenever we had that episode, I had the, I have them at eighty seven and seventy five, and I, I think you had them winning low nineties or around ninety, and you were like, oh, they they, they should be higher. And the evidence I gave was, oh, they they were like the best one of the best teams in one run games uh, last season. That's why they won so many games. And I was actually at dinner just yesterday, and. Uh, the Giants game was on in the background and a graphic popped up like comparing this point in the season last year to this point in the season this year. And uh, they were like, they had won a huge amount of one run games last year. And this year they are a a considerable amount below 500 in one run games. And that's kind of been a big reason for their struggles. So what comes to mind is uh, that, that take in, and reasoning for that take and I mean I've been spot on with the reasoning of why they would regress and it it was kind of common belief that they would regress to some point they weren't going to win 107 games again but I mean I I think I got the evidence there correct and that's that's what comes to mind for my my best take yeah I I saw that exact stat the other day and I thought of you I didn't want to show it to you because I knew that you would like revel in you being right but you're definitely right. Um, that was that was a really good take coming into the year. I hope that they can turn it around. They've started to play better as of late. I think they've won eight of their last ten. They had that huge comeback off of Josh Hader, which was super exciting. But we'll see coming into the second half. Don't want to get too far into a season preview because that's what we're going to do when you get back from the All-Star festivities. But what's one thing that you're really looking forward to as we go down the stretch in the second half? I, I mean, if for me, it's just got to be all, all the close races that we're going to see. And I think the NL East will be really good. The NL Central will be good. AL Central, um, and it, maybe not, that, that's going to be the big three, really. Uh, maybe the AL West, if the Mariners continue to streak like they have. But the Astros have a firm hold right now. But I think it's just going to be the close races that we're going to see. And the unprecedented third playoff uh third wild card position and we saw last year the uh, Mariners and Blue Jays missed my one game and so this year if it's in the similar position one of them is going to get in and then we're going to see the three game wild card series so I- I'm most excited for the first that are coming down the stretch and the races that we're going to see to get there and so it's going to be fun to watch yeah I'm, I'm really excited for that NL East battle too because that's one place that we differed we didn't differ on any other divisions I'm pretty sure but the NL East, I went Mets, you went Braves. We doubled down on that later in the year as well. And it's still super close. Like, it's still razor thin despite the Mets getting off to that big head start. It's still a really close race. That's the most exciting one for me down the stretch. Because um, it also changed the big trajectory of the wild card race because they're both, I think, guaranteed a wild, wild card spot at this point with the way they've been playing. Don't want to jinx the Mets or anything like that because I think Mets fans would get upset. But that's an exciting race down the stretch. Quick, before you go to L.A., who do you think is going to win the home run derby? It's Pete Alonso. Come on. I mean, th- that guy has, like, a hidden talent for hitting home runs. Uh, but, I mean, he's just so good in home run derbies. A- and I-, I do want to mention, shout out to his, whoever his BP pitcher. I He better bring back the same BP pitcher. 
Because I saw I saw the there was a graphic last year of like a K zone kind of square thing with uh, the BP pitchers pitches that round. They were all down the like it was the best BP round of all time. And so I think if his if his pitcher can be consistent like that again, he, he's taking it home. And but I am very excited for the first round matchup between Pete Alonso and Acuna. I think that's going to be the best matchup of the whole thing. And it sucks that it has to come in round one, but it's it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, if Acuna was going against anyone else yeah. than Pete Alonso in the first round, I think he absolutely advances. I think he gets knocked off by Pete. Watch out for Kyle Schwerber, though. I know Pete Alonso came in as the two seed, and people might be like, why is Kyle Schwerber the one seed? Well, he's hit more home runs this year, and then also I think people forget he was in second to Bryce Harper in that one at, at Nationals Park. And a lot of people also forget, at that point, a lot of people thought that Bryce Harper cheated and that he didn't win fairly because he hit a pitch that was thrown after the buzzer had already gone off for the win. So Kyle Schwerber could be seen as the last home run derby champion other than Pete Alonso. Also in Dodger Stadium, hooking it around that right field line is much shorter for left-handed hitters. So I think a lefty could have an advantage. They both have good home run swings. They both have immense power. I think it's going to come down to those two. Don't want to be chalky or anything like that, but home run derby, I think it's going to be down to Schwarber and Alonzo. It'll be an interesting race. I find it hard to not pick Pete, so I'm going to pick Pete, but I don't know. I think I think Kyle Schwarber could knock him off this year. It's it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm really excited. And then, I mean, the All-Star game as well is going to be fun. I'll be there. And it's, it's just going to be a... It's going to be a fun couple days and excited to see the stars out in the All-Star game and it's going to be fun to watch. Well, yeah, it's been a fun first half to cover. So thank you guys all for following us, following along. We're like 25 episodes deep. Uh, started off in the offseason. Now going to end off the first half. We'll watch the last day of baseball today. It's Sunday when we're recording this. It'll probably be Monday when you're listening to it. But it's been a fun first half. We're excited to continue on, get through this second half of the season, and then get into playoff baseball, which is going to be the first time we're covering any of this. And so thank you guys for sticking around. You guys have been the real heroes, the real MVPs of the first half. So thank you guys all for tuning in. Uh, Jack kind of covered it all. Th- thank you guys for going along. And uh, it's been a fun first half, and we're excited for the second half. And, yeah, make sure you go follow along everywhere. You know the deal. I have to throw the plugs in. I don't know where they are. I think they're... Are they above us? Are they below us? They, well, the you, descriptions below us. You can see our below if you're you in see podcast. our social media is above here. YouTube is there. Uh, so Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Go follow them all. We're active on everywhere, and you know the deal. I mean, TikTok's been great the last couple of days. So I mean, you won't want to miss. You won't want to miss it. So go follow. And we thank are they you guys. bringing you on the field for the All Star Game as a TikTok influencer? I think so, actually. There's a creator cup thing for MLB The Show, and I think they, they invited me to that because you oh, know, yeah. we're, we're, we're huge here on YouTube. Yeah, uh, well, he's joking, but either way, go follow the TikTok and the social media. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can go and leave a five-star review for the show. That would be very, very helpful. We've been trying to bring you a lot of good content this first half, and that would help us out a ton. If you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. You know the deal, but enjoy the All-Star break. You get a little break from baseball, and then we're right back at it. Going to bring you a second-half preview and then continue what we've been doing through the second half as the MLB season kind of comes to a close and we find out who's going to be the next World Series champion and we'll figure out why it's going to be the San Francisco Giants. But thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.